VHS and chill. Well, I was going to say, has, has any of you ever confided your deep emotional burden in an eight-year-old child? No, but it's a good way just to let some steam out, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah, but I think um, an average child would just be bewildered. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wouldn't know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them about, like, the deep communication problems. Yeah. Listen, listen up, I'm not happy. I'll, I'll give it to you straight. Yeah. I am not I am, happy. I am lost. Do you ever get that feeling that you're just working and not enjoying your life at all? But that's what I mean. Yeah. There's no repercussions. <laughs> Kevin, I have not been happy for a long time. Welcome back to yet another week of VHS and Chill. My name is Jeffrey Kitt, and as always, I am speaking about the 80s, the 90s, the noughties, usually the noughties. Film, 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 that's what we're here to talk about. And once again, I'm joined by the affable, the delicious, no, that's not the right adjective, but great person, Roisin Mulligan. <laughs> you can call me delicious if you like. <laughs> I thought I'd try it on. I don't think I've ever called you delicious and it just popped into my mind. I appreciate it. Thank you. You, you feeling know. pretty delicious today? Yeah, I'm feeling festive. You know, we're getting uh, into the Christmas season. Quiet. It's just gone December where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting to the winter equinox. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. You know, a time of transition, a time of change, a time to release... Uh, this obnoxious collective nightmare of a year. Oh, that's delicious. I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, thanks for being here, as always. Yeah, you're welcome. As always, as well, Rudy Davis is here. Hello. Quite delicious as well. I am very delicious. What's new yeah. with you? I quite like your tracksuit that you got on today. <laughs> the old running top. Yeah. <laughs> like timeless, isn't it? You can you, wear this. You ran on down. You could have worn this from the 70s onwards and <laughs> not like out of place. Yes, thank you, Rudy. I like the uh, I like the the dress. Uh, moving on swiftly, let's get down to business because we're here to talk about f- film. I'm not here to joke around at all. No, it's very serious. This is a very somber topic. <laughs> it's a very somber topic, and to get me into the dramaticism of the '90s of the film we're discussing today, I'm going to throw to you, Rasheen. What is the year of the film we're discussing today? The year, Jeff. Is 1990. It's a year after I was born. Can you oh, believe that? Delicious year. <laughs> Tasty <laughs> AF. Uh, <clears throat> it was the first year of the 90s. Yes. A time of transition, a time of change. Equinox. A time of release. <laughs> a time of the release of Nelson Mandela from oh, prison. About bloody time. Yeah. And it just, God. And straight out of prison into the presidency. Straight out of Compton into the presidency. <laughs> I mean, what, what a transition. I know. What a career change for <laughs> Nelson. <laughs> the Hubble Space Telescope was also launched. Mm-hmm. And not only that, it was also another big year for technology. Oh, tell me about it. Uh, Game Boy? No. Mm. We've had the Game Boy before. 1990. Master System? I'll give you a clue. It's all around us. We use it for everything. The internet. We couldn't live without it. Yes. It's the internet. I hate to be a stickler. I think you mean the World Wide Web. Uh, The world. Here we go. (laughs) The internet is the tracks. The World Wide Web is a train that runs along the tracks. You're always stickling me. Yes, it was the World Wide Web. And thankful we all are for that. Oh, and that's it. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> what a 
dare I say, delicious year. Mm. Thank you for that wrap-up. Now, what else came out of prison that year? Pardon the awkward pun segueing into what? Wow. To, uh, <laughs> two kleptomaniacs. Two kleptomaniacs. Did you just compare... With some sticky fingers. Did you just compare the wet bandits to Nelson Mandela? Inadvertently, yes. I don't think anyone's and may ever And rest made. in peace. <laughs> I did. And the Wet Bandits, what film series were they from, Rudy Davis? Uh, I believe it was Home Alone. Home Alone, the Christopher Columbus Christmas romp. John Hughes rompathon. Act one. Well, yes, let's jump in. I like how it starts the film with, this is a John Hughes production. You can't bloody escape the fact. Mm, Well, it's a mark of quality. It's a mark of quality. Hughes has never made a stinker. (laughs) In 1990, no way. His career is going up, 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 up. (laughs) So I'm going to set the scene with a little haiku. Christmas is coming. Friendly policeman doing rounds. Watch it, little jerk. Ooh. I like that. If if I wrote that haiku, it would have just been. Oh yes, John Williams bringing the goods with the score. So evocative. Can I just say the policeman's getting like not one iota bit of respect in that house? Yeah, I think that is because he's only pretending to be a policeman, but has not internalized the role. So he's he's not playing it right. Therefore, he doesn't merit the respect. I see. Yeah. But it's not just the uniform, yeah, you've got to internalise the role. It's a crazy household. Wow, so yeah, we, we kick off, um, Pesci's there, dressed up in his in his blues and twos, that is the phrase, as a copper. Uh, we've got a bunch of little scamps running around this, this big mansion in Chicago. And I might mention this before to you guys, but anyone clock the colour scheme inside the house? In red? I want to say every, pastels. Every single colour apart from neutral is either red or green. No and way. And it's a particular red or green. It's like a it's like a Christmas green or like a racing racing green or a Christmas red. Mm. Like even the phones are green. Or like the pillowcases are red and then tucked inside are green pillowcases. That's like the like classic. his attention to detail mm. is insane. Hughes attention yeah. to detail. Uh, and like to give it that kind of Christmas palette. He was mm. obsessed with that colour. Um, so we're in the house. Uh, Pesci is um, trying to ask around if there is an adult. Kids are running around like loons. How are you kids doing, huh? Good? A lot of action around here today, huh? Going on vacation? Where are you going? You hear me or what? Going on a trip? Where are you going, kid? Um, the pizza guy arrives. Mm. 120 bucks for 12 pizzas? Yeah. Bargain. Like, pizza inflation... Hasn't actually gone up that much, has it, in like 30 years? That's insane, actually. $12 a pizza, yeah. which is about what it's now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so he eventually uh, tracks down the dad, uh, has a bit of small talk, and he's just being a friendly neighborhood policeman. And he just... Check in, check in on them when they're going mm. away. Check when the house is going to be empty, specifically. Do you- do you think it's weird that the policeman is in the house to begin with? He just let himself in. Like, and he's just like standing there observing them as they pack frantically. That doesn't happen. Does that happen in no, the States? No, that doesn't. Well, if you live in like a super upmarket suburb of Chicago. Oh, uh, right. I don't know. Uh. But uh, so we uh, we get this guy's checking on when people are going to be away. Uh, he gives uh, little Macaulay a little wink and a grin. To reveal the little shiner in his mouth. The, the old oh. wink and grin. The old wink Never and trust grin. a man with one gold tooth. Yeah, a I policeman. Yeah, with a gold <laughs> tooth. You, you want to go the whole hog with a gold tooth and have the whole well, jaw. You want to get your grills. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine Joe that. Pesci with grills. Imagine Joe Pesci with grills. Can you think of anything more intimidating? <laughs> 
So they uh, chow down for dinner on their 12 pizzas for 120 bucks. And uh, there's a bit of a kerfuffle. Kevin bashes into his obnoxious older brother, Buzz, uh, knocks Coda everywhere. This is when uh, Uncle Frank really starts to show his colours. Oh, Look what you did, you little jerk. He ate my pizza on purpose. He knows I ate sausage and olives and Look what you and- did, you little jerk. <laughs> Uncle Uncle Frank is his name? Yeah, he's oh. horrible, isn't he? He's, he's, he's funny, though. I like him on the plane later. Just, uh, take it, take it, take it, take it. Then don't get on planes. So this sets up plot device for the second act. Quiet. He gets shuffled away to the attic. By one uh, Mrs. Colkin, name no, Kate. No <laughs> I think Kate, Ka- Katie Catherine O'Hara, the, the mum in Home Alone. Is that her? Is that the actress? I think her name's Catherine O'Hara. Oh, she's yeah. great. Isn't she's she, very nice. She's very, sec- very sexy. 90s sexy nineties mum. Mm. Yeah. And they're so well to do. They're all like really dressed up. I like her coat. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say about the family before we move on, Buzz. Love Buzz. I uh, did want to fact check him, though. He does ask, maybe to the audience, is it true that French chicks don't shave their pits? Is it true that French babes don't shave their pits? Some don't. I'll let you know that 73% of French women do shave their pits. According to? A 2006 study done by someone on Google. <laughs> and... They did in 2006, anyway. Compare that to normal women today, non-French women... 76%. percent different. <laughs> That's a shocking <laughs> statistic. I'm flabbergasted. So one in four women don't shave, Buzz. Uh-huh. Be, be them French or not French. And more power to them, especially in 1990. That's what I say. Quiet. That's when we needed women not to shave their pits. So uh, we've had the setup. He's pushed up to the room and thus spoke Act 2. Act 2. And another haiku. Power lines knocked out. His family disappears. Filthy animal. <laughs> <laughs> so Macaulay's all alone. Little Macaulay Culkin. Little Macaulay Culkin. So have you ever met or heard of anyone else with the name Macaulay? His name's Macaulay, no? Maybe it's my Australian accent, but I say Macaulay. <laughs> Macaulay? <laughs> Macaulay. You say Macaulay. <laughs> well, it's a strange name, but how do you say it regardless? I think it's Macaulay. It could be Macaulay. Macaulay. <laughs> but what a little Culkin. scamp. He's great in this film, isn't he? And he's uh, some kind of renegade genius <laughs> yeah. because of the shit he pulls. I was thinking I would like to see him um, like squared off against other child geniuses of the 90s era, <laughs> like against Matilda. Oh. Oh, well, Matilda's got the edge. Well, Matilda's like a yeah, demigod. She's got psychokinetic powers, hasn't she? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but is that any match for a paint can on a rope? Right. <laughs> on, a oh, yeah, on, on, a, on a hallway. I feel like he could he could flummox her. You know, he could. Mm. He's he's very good at traps. So he could just screwball scramble her. Yeah, but she sees all and knows all. But yeah, she could go full on carry with him. <laughs> yeah. Um. Or like him against the boy in Liar Liar. Because he can Max. wish anything to life. Oh my god, you yeah. Know? So he's almost he's almost he's also a demigod. I'd like to see a three way fight to the death. <laughs> I think Matilda would have the edge, but you've gotta you've gotta give Max a look into. Uh, but fair call, Macaulay. Nineteen eighty two to twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> Did you see that Macaulay Culkin put out a tweet when it was his fortieth birthday? He said uh, I'm 40, feel old yet? Yeah, right. And it was like the fifth most liked tweet that's ever happened. I, my God. Yeah. I saw that have millions, but I didn't, yeah. 
He's Jesus. still so relevant. Even yeah, now. he knows how to play the crowd. Mm. Yeah. Um, anyone mean, um, I'm going up a track here, but um, anyone mean keeping up with his career? No. He was on Joe Rogan once. He, he's in like an art band that um, just plays his really weird, long, progressive sets in like uh, art venues that draws crowds of like 200 people. Yeah, such is what he likes doing. <laughs> what like, kind of music is it? Uh, just experimental avant-garde music. Yeah, it sounds like a child actor or whatever. Go you, mate, if you've got the yeah. fucking money. Yeah, he's just got like, what? He's just indulging his really <laughs> out there passions. <laughs> mm. So, section one, act two. Like, not a lot happens. It's kind of Macaulay just, uh, you know, making the most of having the home alone, really. I made my family disappear. I made my family disappear. He's loving it. We see a little bit of character development where he lines up his toy soldiers and the spatula in like the laundry chute, which that's how bloody rich they are. Who has a bloody laundry chute in their own home? Yeah. Like, 15 people going to France Christmas time? Yeah, in the nine, 1990 <laughs> before budget flights. Yeah, that's mm, nuts, yeah. Mental. So um, he starts uh, doing a bit of target practice with his, well, with Buzz's BB gun. Uh, so we start to see he's got a little bit of bloodlust um, <laughs> and a little bit of ingenuity. Like he cut, uh, shoots away the spatula, closes the chute. Um, then he runs outside, he bumps into old man Marley, <laughs> yeah. the alleged... <laughs> Serial killer. So yeah, what did he do? He, he his alleged crime was, was he murdering killed, people. With a, he murdered. A he murdered his family, oh my and God. he just shuffles snow like yeah back and forth every day. Like classic myth that kids have of someone that's a little bit odd, right. mm. like on the street. Um, so he comes in, scares the bejesus out of uh, Macaulay. <laughs> um, so we know he's going to come back at some point, mm. and. That is, to my mind, the only things that stood out. <laughs> well, <laughs> Anyone else in that section? I mean, I think Old Man Marley is there purely for sentimental value mm. because I think Chris Columbus was like, there's too much There's too much gore in this yeah, movie. Right. We need a bit of heart. Where's the love? Yeah. Where's, where's the Christmas time Yule? You yeah. know? Bring it bring it in. <laughs> where's the Yule? Where's the Yule? Just give me the Yule. <laughs> but where's the Yule? <laughs> I guess the, the only notable quote, and uh, Roshin and I were talking about this off air is when Macaulay just has a right old rummage this is about 30 minutes of rummaging around the house and he goes through Buzz's Buzz's trunk and sees a picture of his fat little girlfriend having a smile and he says Buzz your girlfriend woof Buzz your girlfriend woof so fucking good oh um, oh, I I do tell a lie so this uh, segment also has the one of the most classic lines from the film of that old 50s movie. He's mm. watching that film noir movie. I'm mm. going to give you a 10 seconds to get your ugly yellow. <laughs> no good keister off my property. One, One two, two, 10. ten. <laughs> Keep the change, you filthy animal. It's so satisfying. I'm going to give you to the count of 10 to get your ugly yellow, no good keister off my property before I pump your guts full of lead. All right, Johnny, I'm sorry. I'm going. One, two, ten. (laughs) Keep the change, you filthy animal. Thus moves us swiftly along towards the middle of the second. So here we go. Sledging down staircase. Life of Riley, home alone. Fuck the wet bandits. <laughs> now let's jump into the wet bandits. I think this is the time where it literally just changes perspective. Let's leave the little boy in his house and follow these two bumbling thieves. 
I love them. I think the wet bandit idea is actually genius. Apart from the fact, you know, I, I won't mention that because it's a bit of a spoiler. You can mention that. Every, there's <laughs> do you think not people, one do you think people have seen it. There's not one single person that's listening to this podcast. Like, oh god, I, I hope they don't right. spoil anything. <laughs> stop! Stop! I'm only at act two. Wait, do you know our audience? <laughs> I like the calling card. Yeah. What do you think of the calling card? Yes, it's, it's traceable. All the, all the great. greats have them. Oh, all right. the greats have them. All the greats do have them. Um, and I didn't actually remember that it was Joe Pesci until the end of the movie. I only think of Joe Pesci as old, old Joe Pesci now from like The Irishman. So if you're looking at him back now, I was like, Well, oh, he man. looks great. <laughs> Rudy, how do, you, how do you feel about your, um, your often compared to celebrity Here we go. resemblance? Yeah, I was waiting for this to come up. That's why I've grown this big beard. <laughs> I'm sick and tired of these rumors about my likeness to Marth, the first of which happened. <laughs> In 2007. So yeah, Ru- Rudy um, is famous for having a bit of a striking resemblance to Marv and Jeff yeah, to Joe Pesci. Looks, looks, <laughs> both looks and cat burgling ability. I'm more of a Joe Pesci in his twink years. Yeah. <laughs> the famous Pesci twink years. You remember Goodfellas, right? Um, one thing I also will say about Marv and Pesh. I think it's also a good crime idea to rob people during the holidays. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and like the Pesci subterfuge of going around pretending to be a policeman, checking when people were right. leaving. Like he's clearly the brains of the operation, just let down severely ditch, ditch by slow-witted Marv. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, so we kind of have three plots in this film. So we've got like the central plot, which is Macaulay home alone, defending the homestead. Uh, we've kind of got the subplot of the the cat burglars, like building up, doing reconnaissance like colliding with the main plot. And then we've got the third plot, which you kind of forget about, which is uh, the rest of the family realising that Kevin's home alone and then mm. trying to make it back. Mm. So it's in this segment as well that we also get Kate. Her name's Kate. I believe. And um, in real life too. Yeah, lazy casting. Yeah. Um, so uh, she's on the plane and then suddenly realises, Kevin! What else could we be forgetting? is home alone (laughs) so (laughs) we now have uh the third plot um put into gear where it's then those guys landing in paris and desperately trying to get hold of kevin but lo and behold we are told at the start of the film that the power has knocked out the phones Mm. and they probably won't be reconnected for two to three days well it is the holidays it is the holidays there's a pandemic on the loose and all the flights have been cancelled i'll tell you what if i was part of that family i would have said mom you're going back I'm spending my Christmas in Paris. I would have, like, <laughs> probably given my mum some shit. And been like, how... This is your fault. How on earth could you leave a f- your five-year-old? I get that there are a lot of children around, and so, ah, a lot of children. Well, he is nine. But, oh, he's nine? I don't know. He's not five. But how could you leave a child that... So he's, like, four foot tall. Well, it was his, it was his elder sister that did the head count Quite. and counted the neighbour boy that just kind of came into the shot. For no reason other than to be a plot device who was facing away and she tapped on the head. Eleven. I'm yeah, not, everyone's not here. Not good enough. Not sure that's an excuse. Not though, good enough. Like if you were a mother, it wouldn't take you until you're halfway to France. But tell me about this. If you're in France, do you go back to Chicago? No. You wow. Go this up the so, Eiffel Tower. So this. Yeah, eat some croissants. <laughs> yeah, so, relax. Eat some cheese. So you're basically Kevin's dad who like was going, 
Honey, would you relax? We'll get a we'll get a flight in a couple of days. He's probably having the time of his life. I guess like like which like I don't think that was bad scripting. That was just a nineties dad. Like they honestly didn't give a shit. It's like when you've already got nine children, yeah. one is dispendable, isn't he? <laughs> dispendable. Dispensable. Come on. Kevin's the He's so expendable and dispensable. I'd say he's dispendable. <laughs> Get him out of here. So um, so the dad and the rest of the family are like, oh God, Kate's on one of her moods. <laughs> Maybe it's the you know. <laughs> the you know what time. <laughs> Don't you dare. <laughs> Do you think it might be because of you know? <laughs> Just take a hot bath, you know, light some candles. Get anything from room service. Um, so, thus we move on to the following haiku. Uh, uh, toothbrush stealing punk. Bandits fail not once but twice. Big in Sheboygan. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up Sheboygan. So this is where... This is where things really get um, set into motion for the Wet Bandits. They make two aborted attempts uh, to break into the McAllister's mansion. The first time, they they walk down the stairs and then Kevin shoots them in the BB gun, I want to say. Through the cat flap, no? Through the cat flap. Mm. And then the second time is when, um, inexplicably, Kevin has rigged up um, about 20 mannequins yeah. and speakeasy jazz music, <laughs> which was the height of fashion in 1990 which, in Chicago. Did they come back? Iris. How long do you think that took him to rig up? Yeah. Well, with a film crew, like, <laughs> well, even with a film crew, you know, probably even, a couple of days. A couple yeah. of days, yeah. Not an afternoon. Yeah, no. come. Oh, we'll come back later. Get him when it's dark. Yeah. So he had four hours probably. To and why do they? Why do they have so many like mannequins mm, and cardboard yeah. cutouts? Another mystery about yeah. the McAllisters. And of course, the show stopper is the. John Candy scene. Mm. I had a few hits a few years ago. Uh, that's why, I, you know, just polka, 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 polka. No? It, Twin Lakes polka, Damavuji polka, aka Kiss Me polka, polka twist. Well, these are songs. Yeah. Yeah, we, some fairly big hits for us, you know, in the early 70s, you know. <laughs> you know, polka, polka. <laughs> Mr. Polka. <laughs> so where does John Candy pop up, Rudy? What's his background? So uh, Kate gets a flight in the end after barsering um, a necklace, a pearl, pearl earrings, uh, a ring, a Rolex, $500 cash, and first class tickets for two days' time. She's so rich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's so reckless. Yeah. Um, just to get back to see her eight-year-old son, who's probably having the time of his life. So yeah, she barters all of that for tickets back to Texas, then from Texas gets a flight to Scranton, and then at Scranton she cannot get a flight to Chicago. I don't know why, um, particularly in John Hughes films, like everyone is so adverse to just traveling by road or rail. Because <laughs> right. like Scranton to Chicago, I, I, my job is not great, but Pennsylvania to the uh, like Illinois, like five hours, six hour drive, mm. like not the end of the world. 
and you've got to get a train. Like, why does everyone have to get a flight all the time? Mm. I guess when you're rich as they are, I guess you don't travel by any other means. Yeah. So she is breaking down to the guy behind the desk. The guy behind the desk, something I also noticed about John Hughes films is, like, he he really kind of paints the beige in any kind of customer service worker. Mm. Like the car rental lady mm-hmm. in Plane Trains Automobiles. Uh, like in uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Like not quite the same role, but the PA announcer in oh, the mornings yeah. at the school. Mm-hmm. Like very just beige, middle-aged people. And like what, what I like about that as well is that he paints their characters in such like a vivid beige that I'm always left after watching like a scene like that. I always think like, I wonder what their life is like like <laughs> that guy behind the desk i was thinking like he must go home every night to like the suburbs of chicago what sort of house does he live in like does he have a wife like and does he have kids like what do the kids do like what is their ambition when they grow up in life they're like, also is, home alone yeah. <laughs> that's why he's so depressed <laughs> man my kids have been home alone for two days <laughs> and they've been fine let me tell you <laughs> um so at this point, lovable John Candy, the nation's uncle, couldn't but help overhearing the pickle that Kate has got herself in. What a pickle. So what does he do? Get him on the fucking poker bus. We're going on a road trip. He improvises pretty much the whole of his dialogue. No way. That was, that was improv. Yeah. God, he's good. So, he's so good. So this is like my favorite fact about Home Alone. John Candy got paid $414 for this role uh, and did it all in a day and improvised all his dialogue because he was basically doing it as a favour to Chris Columbus. Uh, like why just get... Because he's already rich. Why get paid an insignificant amount of money? Yeah, right. Just, <laughs> just do it for free, yeah. Oh, I'll do it for free. Maybe, like, maybe just to cover his travel and food uh, expenses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he did eat a lot, yeah. He racked up $400. <laughs> Those catering tables, yeah. <laughs> he travelled all the way from Sheboygan. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, that is lovely factoid. Um, and the best line? Yeah, we sold about 623 copies of that. In Chicago? No, Sheboygan. Very big in Sheboygan. They loved it. Sheboygan? <laughs> Chicago? No, no, Sheboygan. <laughs> <laughs> so Kate jumps in the polka van with the polka boys. Do you know the name of the band? Oh... No, that's testing me. Poka Poka Poka? Was that one of their Poka. hits? No, that was, it, it, it did very well. I think it sold uh, 623 copies in the greater, <laughs> in the greater uh, Illinois area. He deserves a, like, a prequel, doesn't he? Or his own film. Oh, man. But I feel like that would just be very similar to Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yeah, no, but him maybe. and his polka band. Like, uh, touring. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the film that could have been. Mm. Yeah. On we move. On to the, the setup for the third acts. Once family back. Dispensing wisdom in church. Bandits, it's game time. Mm. So at this point, uh, Macaulay, in spite of the fact he's running rings around the wet bandits, uh, he's starting to get very homesick. He's missing his mum, not so much the rest of the family. (laughs) And he goes to see Santa Claus. Literally says, all I want for Christmas is my family back. Uh, Kind of a tender scene. Then he wanders on into church. Who should we see in there? The murderous neighbor. The sentimental Name? value. Neighbor. With murderous <laughs> ambitions. Marley. Old man Marley. There's something off about him, though, I will say. He's got kind eyes, but just there's an atmosphere. The demeanor, yeah. Yeah. I, he's got a haunted face. Yeah. 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 Very uh, gaunt. So Robert's Blossom comes over to, to little Kev and... Like, the the dialogue in this scene and, like, Kevin's emotional uh, maturity 
it's nuts, isn't it? He's like eight mm. years old. Like I still can't have this type, this level of emotional connection with anyone. And I'm <laughs> 34. <laughs> You're just an old man, Marley, looking for your Kevin McAllister. Uh, there are murderous <laughs> rumours I've heard about you. You just need to find a genius eight-year-old yeah. child to that's, take under your wing. That's so fraught with potential risks. <laughs> take a trip to the orphanage. I'm sure you'll find a few there. <laughs> well, I was going to say, has, has any of you ever confided your deep emotional burden in an eight-year-old child. No, but it's a good way just to let some steam out, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah, but I think um, an average child would just be bewildered. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wouldn't know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them about, like, the deep communication problems. Yeah. Listen, listen up, I'm not happy. I'll, I'll give it to you straight. I am not I am, happy. I am lost. Do you ever get that feeling that you're just working and not enjoying your life at all? But that's what I mean. Yeah. There's no repercussions. Yeah. <laughs> like, Kevin, I have not been happy... For a long time. <laughs> Come to think of it, I don't know if I've ever truly satisfied a woman. <laughs> what is the female orgasm? <laughs> I'm not qualified to deal with this. <laughs> this is way out of my out of my league. <laughs> But no, actually, come to think of it, I might start doing that. Not in, in Rudy's terms, yeah. but, you know, mm-hmm. just to get... It's a, it's a cheap therapist, isn't it? Fighting a child and traumatising them for life. Uh, well, it becomes like a pyramid scheme. They then have to, when they uh, get older, <laughs> confide, confide in two children who confide each in two children. <laughs> I'm your downline. Is that not what children are for? <laughs> and well, something else I thought here as well was Old Man Marley, like shit at Neighbourhood Watch, isn't he? Like, why did he not spot the Wet Bandits? Oh, yeah, right. Like, if he's the one guy that's still on the streets. He's got nothing else to do besides... Yeah, exactly. yeah, he's just salting the sidewalk. He's, he's salting the sidewalk. He's out there seeing their van. Yeah. Yeah. I think he just likes to see the world burn, old man. Yeah, I guess. He's got nothing to live for. And on we move to Act 3. Act 3. Act 3. Ice steps, red hot knobs, tarantula crowbar chest... Uncle Frank, you cunt. Um, guys, I wanna I wanna ask, what was your favorite trap? Oh. Like which is the one that really sticks out? One that sticks out for me is the nail. Yeah. Because that, that's when it gets a bit violent. That's like, horrible. You're, you've got it in for these people. Yeah. You know? I think for me it's the um uh the blowtorch on the head. Yeah. yeah like that's, that's quite classic. that's yeah. quite intense. Uh, for me, probably uh, the iron to the face. Ooh. It, it leaves that lovely mark. <laughs> and it, it leaves it for the rest of the movie. Yeah, that's pretty good. So, uh, yeah, third act is basically one big, not quite a montage, but um, just setup after setup. A, a trapathon, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a trap. It's a trap house. <laughs> so, it's a bloody trap house. So, they, they get in through the basement. They kind of. That's, that's quite a nice like movement through the house. They start in in the basement, then they suddenly make their way upstairs as, as the traps get mm. more intense. Do you think that's a metaphor for something? Maybe. <laughs> or it was just that Kevin had the zip line to his treehouse from uh, upstairs. I feel like it's a metaphor for them um, like ascending through the ranks of... Uh, Depravity. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's seven stages of hell. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so, yeah, there is a trapper from the Trenchler, I always liked, yeah. where Marv whacks Pesci on the chest instead of just brushing it off, then healing it. I like the reoccurring symbol of the Tarantula. That's always good. It's yeah, like the tooth. The callback. It's a yeah. motif. Oh, and another runner is the statue that keeps getting knocked down every mm. time like a car arrives on the driveway. Mm-hmm. That's a nice little runner. Uh, so... Uh, Kevin outmaneuvers them, outtraps them until the very last, where they catch up with him in the basement again. They then pin him up to a coat hook. It just so happens to be, or like a key hook in the kitchen. They start kind of fantasizing about how they're going to torture a little boy, which a bit weird, isn't it? Well, they're, they're, they're in a lot criminals, of and he's fucked them up. So I mean, like, flay well, him, flay him. I say they're going to hire Matilda. <laughs> <laughs> but as Half you go through the it. traps, man, I, I'm thinking about this matchup. Kevin's got some skills. I mean, he would... If this was real life, they'd be dead. Yeah, for like sure. Like, 100% he would have killed them. So you can understand the violence at the end here. Yeah. All right. Okay. I mean, I'd give him a pass. But, <laughs> but luckily, who should be there to Old prevent... Man Marley, bloody with a show snuffle. Because Finally. all he does yeah. is show shovel snuffle. snow. <laughs> a show snuffle, sorry. A show snuffle. <laughs> A snow shovel. A show-stopping shovel. A show-stopping snubble. <laughs> oh, we really can't speak tonight. It's a snow-stopper, the show shovel. Yeah. <laughs> but really, it, it's it's he's been watching, and now he's seen it's come to an end. He's like, well, no, I'll, now I'll, he's I'll like, step in. I'll yeah, step in. Now's the time for me to step in and be <laughs> oh, the hero. Oh, this is getting yeah. serious. All right. <laughs> All right. So he steps in, whacks him around the noggin with the sh- snow shovel. Not immediately after, because that's the night. Oh, yeah, then, because the police then arrive, and then I guess just leave Kevin home alone again. Well, you've done pretty well up until now. <laughs> See you later. Um, so it's the next day, because it's daylight, when Kate then turns up. Oh, you're right. Through the, so, yeah. That's so yeah, weird. Very, yeah. Very like, lax. Inept uh, policing. Mm. Um, it's probably on the instructions of the dad. <laughs> uh, so we've located your son, Mr. McAllister. Should we bring him in for protection? No. 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 <laughs> he told me he was having a good time. <laughs> just give him a tub of ice cream. He'll be all right. <laughs> um, so uh, they have uh, like a tender reunion where uh, she, she he's standing on the stairs. The, the shot is then uh, Kevin's POV, like looking out through the doors, out into the drive. As she's standing in the doorway. Uh, nice shot. Great music again by Williams. Um, and then, like, three seconds later, the rest of the brood charge in through the door because they managed to get a flight anyway. And then the dad is really smug. He's like, told you we'd get home anyway. <laughs> told you you shouldn't be in a panic. In that, mo- in that morning about? flight that you didn't want to and take. The- wait a minute. How did you guys get home? Oh, he took the morning flight, remember? The one you didn't want to wait for? Oh, no. <laughs> and, then, and then the dad's reconciliation with Kevin is, Hey, Kevin. How you doing? Lots <laughs> well, of little arm punches. <laughs> hey, how's it going, Kevin? <laughs> okay, great, great. <laughs> Again, I love the dad. Like, that is such a good template for dadding. <laughs> Hands off kind yeah, of dad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a let them learn from their mistakes kind of dad. <laughs> um, and that is pretty much it. That is it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we, we, the, the end is Buzz realising that Kevin trashed his room the and, end is, oh, is yes. Buzz's resolution yeah. <laughs> the fourth the, plot the line Buzz arc. <laughs> it's Buzz reconciling with his girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> woof 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 great wrap up Rudy yeah thanks Rude thanks for the thrust 
so well, Home Alone, what did we make of it? The rewatch, what do we think? Was this a big one for our childhoods? This was another one commercial TV in Australia lapped up. Yeah. And I think it's good. We're at the start of December now watching this jar, getting straight into it because mm-hmm. it does put you in the mood. Oof. It has a little sprinkle of magic, this one, doesn't it's it? the score. It is yeah, the score. The score. score makes me a Christmas. Yeah. I think also, as Rudy was saying, just the, the uh, attention to detail and the production value of the whole thing just brings it up a level. Yeah. You know, you get so many family films. Maybe this is not so much in the 90s, but later on. Which are just pieces of shit, mm. you know? And they're just chucked together. <coughs> jingle all some, the way. Jingle all the way. Don't, there's no, there's no the good love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this has love and production value, which are two of my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How many gold teeth rolling around on the floor would you give this? In sizes or? Well, let's think. I mean, how many teeth are in the average human jaw? 32? I think it's about 32. Yeah. How many golden teeth would you give this out of a full set? Out of 32. Yeah, okay. fuck it. Why not? Um, so, like, if we're presuming wisdom teeth have been removed. Um, Don't ever assume yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would give this out of 32. So the midpoint would be 16. Um, I'd probably give this, like, a good, for my buck, a good 23. Mm. Mm. Okay. So about two-thirds. Yes. Two-thirds of the, the full to set. To the layman. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm no mathematician, but I'm going to give it a full set below, and I'm going to... Now, you're no dentist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm neither of those two things, nor am I a physician. I'm going to give it 25 teeth out of 32. 25, so 25. two above rude. Oh. Two above, two Yay, teeth extra. Nice. Um, I'm going to give it... God, you know what? I'm going to give it 24. Oh, my God. Oh, Bono, oh. You, didn't, you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to do that. A nice round number, and I feel like I can get by with 24 teeth. Yeah. What are... Really, what are the other eight for? Eight? <laughs> yeah, what are the <laughs> what other are the eight, eight for? for? <laughs> I'm definitely not a mathematician. <laughs> I agree. What are the other eight for? No, you don't need them. Don't need them. Fuck them. Throw them out the window. And have your home alone with 24 teeth. And bring on number two, I say. <laughs> and we're all eagerly awaiting Home Alone 2. You know what? I'm going to put in the diary next Christmas. I'll see you for Home Alone 2, guys. I'll mm. oh, see you there. <laughs> we, sh- we should have watched it this year, really, to celebrate uh, Donald Trump's... Ah, yeah. The scene... Uh, he hasn't hotel. lost yet. So um, <laughs> some networks have cut him out. Really? Oh, well, well, so there was some hoo-ha, and then his sons went on Twitter saying... Uh, like goddamn libtard snowflakes <gasps> cutting like cutting Donald out of a beloved Christmas classic. Well, but they're then, right. Well, but then the networks are saying, no, that scene has always been cut out to fit around the outbreaks. Because uh, <laughs> it's just... inconsequential to, right. the, to the movie. And yeah. what could be more Trump than that? <laughs> well, on that note, lovely chat and all things Christmas. I'm looking forward to spending the uh, the silly season with you two. Mm-hmm. And to our listeners, thanks for being here with us as well. I hope you have a happy holidays and we'll be back in your feed very soon. Ciao. Hasta luego. Change your filthy animal. It's a danger. It's a danger. It's a danger. It's a danger. It's a danger.
I can't see the top of the table. 